Hey everyone, this is Patrick with the 307 RPG Podcast, and I just want to take a moment and say thank you to all of our amazing patrons. It's because of you that we're able to do the things that we do. If you like our show and you want to support us, you can find us on patreon.com slash theforgeherald. Thanks everyone, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the 307 RPG Podcast. My name is Patrick. I'm Nolan. Our topic of today is going to be about ventures that you can play in Icewind Dale without actually having the new book, Rime of the Frostmaiden. But before we get into that, Nolan, how are you? What's new? What have you been up to? Uh, getting ready for expansion in a couple weeks, for a month, I guess now, for uh, WoW. Yeah, and then playing through some Helm's Deep stuff in Lord of the Rings. And kind of the awkward lull, I think, while everybody's waiting for Baldur's Gate 3 or and in some cases, uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Um, there's a couple other good games uh, kind of on the horizon um, that I've got my eye on. And then also a bunch of announcements on the next gen stuff is starting to come out for the PS5 and the Xbox, whatever the next one is. Yeah, I saw that there was some stuff coming out with that. And of course, what there's that new, like super slim Xbox One. Yeah. I, 299 bucks versus I think the other one was 599 or something like that. Again, some of the stuff just got leaked and they haven't had their official announcement. Um, Cause well, some of it is there just aren't any games yet worth kind of being exclusive to the platforms, I guess. So we should see some of those changes here shortly, but I know everybody's kind of been pushing stuff back and, and waiting to make sure things are right and trying to, I don't know, timing the market probably for this isn't the same thing as movie stuff, but I do feel like a lot of stuff is getting pushed back for a lot of COVID reasons. And I just don't think they are uh, money grab issues. I think they are actually people issues. So got to have a little bit of leeway with that. Right. I know, um, what was it? Bloodlines was pushed back a little bit again. Um, and of course, Cyberpunk has been pushed back a couple of times. I know with Bloodlines, they they fired their a couple of people who were pretty integral to the project. I can't remember exactly who they were. And I know that uh, it's common, like as you get further and further into something, for people to leave when they're part of the that project is done. Um, but it sounded like these people were legit fired, and they brought in someone who, according to, and this is. I should caveat all of this by saying this is according to my son who reads like tons and tons of Reddit shit and he can't verify any of it. Uh, but apparently they brought in someone whose claim to fame is that he's really good with microtransactions. You. Yeah. So if that's the case, the new bloodlines may, I hope, I hope that's not the case. Um, I think I it do... all depends on how they do it. I'm, I'm, I hate when it's uh boost. I'm not a huge fan of, is, is it the EA games now that have like coins and cards that you can buy with money and be light years ahead? There's a lot of games like that. That's the one that kind of jumped out to me as far as that goes, where it's like I've played, uh, you know, World of Warcraft, obviously, and you can pay to get a level boost. Um, but for the most part, I mean, you don't get to buy gear like some games, you know, most of it's cosmetic and I'm I'm good with outfits. I'm good with you know pets and mounts and yeah like that. pets mounts if you really want the you know pure white crystal lightsaber you know you got to buy it from the cash shop and you know star wars you know it's that's your choice that's how they're making their money um usually i don't go all in on that stuff but i will say that i am a sucker for um if you have housing 
I will pay extra money to have nice houses in games and bag space. I will. <laughs> I I hate dealing with inventory stuff. I hate that kind of stuff. So I know in like Guild Wars, I've bought like three extra bag spaces on every single one of my characters. Gotcha. I you know I don't necessarily have an issue with microtransactions, like you just said, as long as they're cosmetic. Where I start having issues is like I, I tried to play the uh, the DC MMO a few years ago, and you know I, I'm a big fan of Batman. I, I Batman is besides Wolverine is one of my favorite comic book characters, and. I was really bummed out when I realized that the DC MMO was quite literally pay to advance. It wasn't just, you know, it wasn't pay to play. It was free to play, but you weren't really going to get anywhere unless you paid for upgrades. So it was with Neverwinter. That's one of the more fun games I've played as far as uh, MMO goes. Just combat is smooth. It, it plays well with a controller. Um, but similar thing. I mean, the best gear is behind, you know, I can spend five hundred dollars and have every best item in the game that would take you five years to get and i can have it today and that just kind of especially when a game has like pvp that stuff is really tough where you just don't have a shot like it doesn't matter how good you are because you can't touch the person that has a bigger checkbook but you know i suppose if you think about it and it just dawned on me this way i don't know why uh if you think about microtransactions and take them out of the computer gaming world and put them into like card gaming world Usually the person who can afford to buy the best deck, you know, is like in, in, in the case of Magic the Gathering, if you can't afford to spend the money to buy those $60, $70, $80 cards, four copies of each, um, you're going to be playing with a deck that is typically subpar. Yeah, and I think the nice thing about that stuff where these are is maybe, maybe more games could do that of a, you know, a high rollers league or something like that for the PvP games versus, you know, this is a cash shop disabled, uh, you know, if I don't, if I'm getting back into standard, I'm, you know, I'll probably spend 60 bucks to have a basic standard deck, but if I don't have the money, I'm going to go do drafts where it's fair, you know, I mean, at least with, right, you know, so maybe if you segregated some of that stuff for, you know, these are the people that pay to plan all, all holds bar. Let's see how ridiculous you can go and let the whales fight each other, but keep them away from the people that want to progress naturally or collect and trade over time. Yeah, I can see that. Pay to play is definitely, or pay for microtransactions, not my favorite. Um, I, again, I don't mind cosmetic stuff. I know when I played WoW, I had a few pets. I had a couple of different mounts um, that I couldn't earn in game that you had to buy. Like, oh, I think there was like Father's Day mounts and, and you know, things like that, that, you know, my kids would throw money at. The other issue I have with buying stuff like mounts and pets and things like that is once you stop playing, it's just gone. Yep. And I don't like throwing, I, I don't know, I like having tangible things. And, and, and I know that that is a generation thing that is definitely, you know, my age versus like you're 10 years younger than I am. Um, and there's that, you know, I think you find that people who are more my age, it's just like newspapers, you know, people my age and older tend to actually want that newspaper. They want the tangible item. They struggle with going to digital. Now, I happen to be one of those people who are like, yeah, fuck yeah, digital. We don't need to have all this paper around. I think it depends too. I know uh, I think about that with like collector's editions. I'm a person that'll yeah. get the collector's edition usually digitally. Um, but m depending on if I really like it, like one of my favorite things, I really love my Lich King uh, collector's edition box set and the art and the book. And I, I really enjoy having that tangible that it sits on a shelf and I never open it. So, yeah, I'm the same way. Um, I have a couple of, um, like Black Library, which is uh, 
she's drawing a blank here, uh, Warhammer 40K. Uh, they put out a couple of books or, that are collector items, you know, limited number of books. You know, you get this nice little box and slip, slip case and things like that. Um, I bought a Primark book that way. And it was like $70, $80, which I don't typically spend that much for a novel that I'm going to read. But it is, you know, like you said, it's a collector's item. And it, I'm gradually making my way through it when I actually have time to sit down and read with all the other shit that I do. Um, so it's been, it's nice. Sometimes I just enjoy those things, but I struggle when it comes to digital. Um, but you know what? Again, like I said, it's, I think it's a generation thing because I know there's a lot of people who love it and good on them. If that's what makes you happy spending your money on that stuff, then by all means, damn it, go for it. Yep. I like a weird quick. <laughs> I just wanted to know what you were up to. She's the joys of rabbit holes. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so obviously we weren't here last week. I was out of town. Nolan graciously gave me the week off. Thanks, buddy. Yep. He's sitting there like, what? <laughs> um, no, it, you know, it was a long weekend. You, of course, Nolan had um, family stuff going on. I was out of town. So we just decided to screw up and take the week off. Not something we usually do, but it worked out. And, and you know, we're actually in that really slow time, as you're going to see here in a little bit as we get into the news, where there's just not a lot going on. So it seemed like a good time. So with that in mind, let's dive into the news. Starting with Dungeons and Dragons, like we always do. Of course, we're going to be talking about D&D here in just a little bit. There isn't a whole lot going on with D&D uh, currently. It's just that time period. I have to imagine uh, there's a lot that's just kind of waiting for the D&D celebration that's coming up this weekend. Of course, the release of Rhyme of the Frost Maiden is this week. I, what is it, Tuesday, Nolan? So that's correct. Uh, but, uh, it will unlock on D&D Beyond on the 15th. Yeah, I can't remember if we can get the book on the 15th or is it Friday? I don't remember. But either way, mine's paid for. I'll be going to puzzles and grabbing it as soon as I can. Um, with Rhyme of the Frost Maiden coming out, that of course means our group is getting ready to start playing again. I know there's been a lot of conversation between you and a couple of players about what's going to be happening. Uh, we have agreed to meet in person instead of playing digitally, which is going to be interesting. Of course, you know, for those of you who are listening, who are like, oh my gosh, you guys are meeting in person. Uh, the way we're doing it is, is, you know, quite literally, you know, make sure when you come over, you've sanitized yourself, wash your hands, use hand sanitizer. We won't be using masks. Most of us work together or are related, like my brother, my wife, uh, and I work with Nolan. Shit, that's half the group. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so we're in contact with each other all the time. And the rule is, is if you have any even hint of uh, uh, feeling bad, do not show up. And we'll evaluate before, you know, the next time. Which I think is fair. Yeah. You know, none of us can afford to be out of work for two weeks because somebody potentially had it. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, so we have a session zero planned for next Sunday at two o'clock where I think everybody's really excited about that. Uh, in fact, I was talking with my brother Dom yesterday. He said he didn't realize just how much he missed this group until I sent out the message saying, hey, let's get the band back together. So he's That's really awesome. excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get people. It's been a while. It's been a long while. Um, next month, we get Curse of Strahd revamped. You can pre-order it on Amazon, and I'm sure probably down at your friendly local game store as long as you're getting it in. The following month, we get Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. That's probably the book I'm excited for right now. What about you? Looking forward to see what they add. Uh, the Santa Thars was a fantastic book and added a lot to the game. 
And I know with Adventure League stuff being AL plus one, them adding uh, what Artificer, you know, to some of these books, uh, Blade Singers coming around. So it's not just in the Sword Coast Adventure Guide. Uh, be curious to see if there's any tweaks or upgrades to that or if it's just a copy paste. But yeah, I think that's that's there's some really good plus one books out there. And I don't know how those people choose. I like having all of them. I think Tosh is probably the one I'm going to go ahead and pick up. I'm not going to pick up Curse of Strahd Revamped. Uh, I think it looks like a fantastic set. I just I just don't want to spend $100 on it. Yeah, like we've had that conversation too. I think we both own it on D&D Beyond. We both own it on book form. Uh, we've played through it already. You know, if it was a new one we hadn't played, uh, I could see doing that over, uh, you know, $500 Beatles and Grimm type situation. I mean... I don't right. know. I don't know what you pay for a collector's edition book, but yeah, uh, yeah, who knows? That's like 60, 70 bucks compared that's to fifty, right? So an extra twenty bucks, you get some extra things. I mean, I could see that, but for a second time around, that's pretty tough. Well, and and Chris Estrada's a hundred, right? I'm just saying you get some extra goodies with it versus just a right. cool book. Nope, that's fair, and a little coffin carrying case, which is of course apropos. So it looks cool on the shelf. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to actual D&D Wizards of the Coast stuff, that's all I saw. Um, of course, we don't have anything on Adventure League, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, but before we slip over to Onyx Path, Nolan, you came across some videos this week that we should talk about. Can you go into some detail? Yeah, I was uh, doing my character creation stuff, uh, looking for ideas and inspiration. Uh, and then every now and then I get some critical role stuff that pops up just for highlights of the week. And I've, I've been terrible about keeping up with it. Um, I have not been into season two since it started um but as youtube does and the youtube rabbit hole starts uh found a girl named lily Ferfaro, and that's my guess of her name and i apologize if there's some pronunciation differences there um but she was on youtube uh and kind of a acoustic black and white singer songwriter that has written character kind of two to three minute uh stories about them and I don't think, I mean, she's a great singer. Uh, she's talented with her music, but the the writing aspect of it and the ability to, I don't know. It was just one of those things of I was not expecting it and every single one I listened to I think was better than the last and it didn't matter what order or if I'd already heard it. Like, no, this is definitely my favorite. No, this is, I mean, she nailed the characters. She does one for each one of them. Um, and, and the way that it does it, uh, and, and YouTube can be so mean. And once you start hopping through the comments and seeing that the people who are the real friends, you know, the, the, the critters out there just gushing over how talented she is uh, and how much people are like, wow, like, you know, this line made me cry. And just when I thought I was done crying, this line made me cry. Like, you know, these characters. And it was just one. Of the, I don't know. It was really cool. It caught me at the right time. And and sometimes that's what music does is get you at the right time to blow your socks off. And and she she was really, really talented. And the story of it, um, I don't know. There's eight to 12 uh, videos, I think, that she has and one for each character. But the last one that she did is called Stories and it's for Matt and it's about being a DM. And um, I mean, it's just good. And that's, that's the best yeah. way to do it. So, you know, like 
I'm looking at it here, like uh, it's Eyes Warm, Eyes Wide, Jester's Song. I mean, she's got 75,000 views and she released this two months ago. And if you look through here, I mean, like Mother's, this Fjord song, um, it's 103,000 views. People are watching. People are checking these out, which is awesome. Uh, I listened to Bottom Line, which is Bo's song. And one of the things you were explaining to me how she wrote that, how similar it is to how Marisha plays Bo. So why don't you go into detail about that? Yeah, uh, so it, Bo is a monk. Um, Marisha is very, uh, uh, is Kentuckian a word? She's kind of got that Southern, you know, whatever. And and so it kind of plays like a bar brawling style fight throwdown kind of song. Um, and Marisha has been known to, when she does her monk stuff, just, you know, say pow, pow type situation. And the song is kind of written to that cadence without ever saying it. Uh she yeah it, it's just one of this uh the, the molly mock song is very high ending upbeating and it feels like every character's story has been this is where they got their start this is what's happened to them along the ride and this is where they are and with like molly mock who died you know early in the season it was who molly mock was as you kind of learn about him and it's kind of this happy jester carnival man style style song um, and then all of the sudden, like she just ends it, you know, like just the way his life was like, it's like, you're waiting for the next course and it's just done. And it just cuts deeper that, you know, this, this character's was story was over before it got a chance to be finished. And, and just those little nuances, I think are blowing people away and, and really enjoying them. And when I first started listening to her, um, I think some of those were in like the 20 thousands, uh, last week when I found it last weekend, um, right. So I, I think the the critter community has kind of pushed it to their Reddit, has pushed it to their stuff, gotten in front of the right people, and and, and hopefully, you know, they enjoy them as much as I did. You know, as far as the the actual uh, players themselves, because I think the ability to weave stories is amazing. The ability to weave songs stories is also in this day and age where everything's kind of poppy and catchy and designed to get stuck in your head. Um, the stuff here was just like very cool. I mean, it was just, it was just their nice written stories sung well, performed well. That's awesome. So I do have a link in the show notes and I'm just kind of looking at the stats for her music. Well, for her channel, I should say. So it says total lifetime, 524,000 views with nine videos. Now in the last 30 days, she's received 408,000 of those views and, and, and has only posted four videos. So you can definitely tell, like you said, obviously something has pumped it in the last 30 days and really pushed her up, you know, in, into views, which is great. Cause I love seeing people get that. Uh, she's currently got 11,000 subscribers. So if you're a fan of critical role and you're not checking this out, I do have a link in the show notes, uh, you know, the two to three minute songs, I think the longest one's five minutes, uh, which is Veth's song. Uh, you should go and check them out. You know, put it on, let the whole thing play where you're just dinking around playing games. And and I think you're going to find uh, some music that you really enjoy. Yeah, the the opening song for uh, for Matt, which is called Stories, which is kind of an homage to DMs. Um, this is, I breathe stories, I breathe them in and out. There's nothing like the witness of a world that's being born. I breathe stories. My lungs are filled with pirate ships and towers built and towers falling down. And it's such a, you know, That's cool. uh, the very next line, I speak rivers into motion. I raise mountains with abandon. I write cities sprawling over land and people to complete them. I tell stories of my family in a world that I have written and my family breathes my stories. My love is etched in continents and seas. 
And it's just like that's that if that doesn't capture what a DM does and and, and the creation of a world, I mean that's I don't know. It hit home, it hit at the right time. And and if you guys get a chance, check it out because I think there's something special there. Yeah, like I said, I do have a link to her channel in the um show notes. I might grab one of the videos actually and post it in the show notes so you guys can check it out. So well, cool. Let's head over to Onyx Path, where, kind of like everybody else, there's just not a lot going on. Of course, they do have the Scion Demigods uh, Kickstarter that's currently going. Uh, it's got 18 days left in the campaign. The project has blasted past the original asking goal of 35000 I think they're at like 105000 right now. I know Scion is a very popular game. It's not the one. It's not one that you and I have ever messed with, but there's a huge fan base for it. So if you are a fan of Scion and you weren't aware that this car Kickstarter is going on, uh, you still have plenty of time to jump in, lock in your stretch goals. You can check it out. I do have a link in the show notes for you to go and see. Uh, we are trying to get an interview with one of the writers for Demigod. Um, so far that has not come to fruition, but I am actively trying to get that done. Let's see, available this week from Onyx Path on DriveThruRPG and DriveThruCards is the Scarred Lands Magic Items Cards decks one through three. Uh, I just copied and posted straight from the Onyx Path website as a description here, so I thought I'd read this real quick. It says, whether you're a player or a GM, you can enhance your Scarred Lands game with these sets of magic item cards. Every magic item from the Scarred Lands Player's Guide is included in these deck of cards. Lay them out next to your sheet during play for quick, easy reference to all your characters' Scarred Lands magic items. So I, I kind of dig these cards in that they give you a chance to, you know, not only you know, have something close at hand that you can use as a reference in case like you just don't have it on your character sheet or there's not enough room in your character sheet. Uh, I know in D&D Beyond, it's very simple to add things to your uh, character sheet. Now, if you're not playing with a tablet or your phone, and or even if you are, and sometimes it, it takes a little bit to quickly find what you're looking for, a card could be very quick to just pick up. Now, when it comes to these with Scarred Lands, um, what I like is that Scarlands being written under the 5e open gaming license, you can use these items in your Dungeons and Dragons campaign. And I think that's really neat because it adds a little bit more um, flavor or even just a little bit, um, gosh, what's variety? That's what I'm looking for to your game. Uh, here's something that, you know, obviously, unless unless the players have messed with Scarlands before, this is going to be a magic item they've probably never heard of. And it might be a little bit more exciting for your veteran D&D players. I think we've had that discussion as well with the lack of magic items feels very weird. And I get that the game is not about that anymore. There's a power, blah, blah, blah. Listen, slay dragons, get loot, get powerful. That's what I was promised. And the more magic items, the better. And and I think having these, yeah, I, I just like having this kind of stuff. So it is available, like I said, on DriveThruRPG and DriveThruCards. Uh, if you buy it through DriveThruRPG, I think you just get a PDF of the cards where you can cut and paste how you want to. DriveThruCards typically has a print-on-demand option. Uh, same company, just different websites. Um, I have gotten several cards through DriveThruCards before, and they're fantastic. They're very well printed, so don't have any fear about purchasing those. I think they're nice, too, just to have them out. You know, you see a a giant list of magical items and you usually skip something, you know? So if you have like a flash card, they can look at like, Oh, I'm fully focused on this one item in this moment. I would have missed that, you know, just cause again, some of the stuff is just the, the list of stuff alphabetically. Sometimes you just 
incidentally miss stuff. Exactly. And it's just nice to kind of have this. So I didn't see much else coming out for the Onyx Path uh, for right now. Again, I think we're just kind of in the lull. I don't, I have no clue what their next Kickstarter is going to be. Uh, I'd imagine we'll start seeing a preview of that next week as they get within the two-week mark of this one ending. Uh, let's see. I did see that some projects have moved further down the production line, but nothing super major. First, we're still awaiting the arrival of several books. Most notably, they came from Beneath the Sea and the Scarredlands Creature Collection, both of which have been saying for a while now that they are shipping to the Kickstarter Fulfillment Center. I don't know how far away that is from the printer, but it must be miles upon miles upon miles. One day they'll show up. One day. Okay, headed over to Chaosium. Um, didn't see a whole lot with Chaosium. I did happen to notice that they have this, they're promoting this one-on-one adventure for Call of Cthulhu. Nolan, are you familiar with one-on-one adventures at all? No. You know, I wasn't either. I know when I talked to David Larkins, he was telling me that um, his wife's a big fan of Vampire the Masquerade. And he said that they do one-on-one, that, you know, he'll DM for her so she can play the game. And I thought that was interesting. Now, I think I think one-on-one adventures are interesting because I, it could be you could. I think there's a, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, there's it's more fun to play with a group. Probably was what I'm thinking here. Uh, you know, I think you there's just that interaction that you come to look forward to. Now, I know many many years ago, um, I ran a one-on-one adventure with a friend of mine because we were leveling, you know, playing and leveling um, a bad guy who. The other party of which I was a part member of um, was going to eventually fight. So it was kind of interesting to do that. But so these I'm just going to read this description again. This just comes straight from the um, Chaosium website. So it's uh, the adventures titled Does Love Forget? Does Love Forget has two one on one adventures in it. So two one on one scenarios for Call of Cthulhu. Does Love Forgive is a collection of two special scenarios for Call of Cthulhu for one keeper and one player. Both adventures are perfect for a fun evening of gaming for two people. Each scenario can be played over the course of one or two sessions and is suitable for keepers of all experience levels. Love you to death. Chicago, February 15th, 1929. It's a cold winter's day when the investigator's good friend, Hattie May, appears in their office at the detective agency. Her beloved pet dog, Highball, is scheduled to be destroyed later today, and she needs the investigator's help getting him back from the Chicago Police Department. It doesn't sound like too difficult of a task, does it? If this is something you're interested in, um, oh, sorry, <laughs> this is my line here. Uh, so if this is something you're interested in, go ahead and check it out. Uh, I do have a link in the show notes. So I don't know. I think it's like $7, 6 or $7 to pick this up. So if you're a fan of Call of Cthulhu and maybe you just have, you don't have a whole lot of people in your group or you just want to try a one-on-one adventure, 6 or $7 isn't too bad to give it a shot. I like the idea, especially around... Uh maybe in D and D two of like a session 0.5, you know, it's, it's gotta be a, it's, it's less probably combat based, more, uh, more story based, which ties into call of Cthulhu's ties into that kind of stuff. Cause you, you don't want to overwhelm the person. 
Um, and it also depends too, you know, if you're an urchin background and why are you on the road? Oh, I had to leave because I got in some trouble is one thing, but actually playing through the fact that you pickpocketed the wrong wealthy person and you've got heat from, you know, the black ravens, which is the guild that you weren't supposed to touch this person or whatever, and you're going to die, you know, if you know, yeah. so-and-so catches you and you're on the run or you can't show back up in Waterdeep or whatever, you know what I mean? That's a whole... I think our greatest experiences from games are like, remember the time this happened because it actually happened. Not remember this time in my backstory that you guys weren't right. there for, you know? So I, I could see that being a session 0.5 or I can see why, you know, maybe one or two person teams of like, this is how you got here. Now you understand what your character does a little bit. You understand why your character acts a little bit. You've got some real life experience. Welcome to session one. You know who your character is a little bit. Yeah, and I, you know, I think especially games like Call of Cthulhu and even Vampire the Masquerade, um, and, and to some extent, and I'll come back to D&D in just a second, I do think these games lend themselves more to one-on-one -on -one investigation or one-on-one -on -one play. Uh, Call of Cthulhu being you're an investigator, sometimes it doesn't take a whole team to go and investigate something. Uh, and in, in Vampire you may be that vampire who doesn't want to be around, you know, the vampire society or a lot of the stuff you do is done in the shadows, which is not done with your coterie. So I definitely see the opportunity for some one-on-one -on -one adventures. And I like the idea that this is, you know, can be completed in one or two sessions. Now, I got to thinking about D and D and again, going back to like, like you said, um, uh, one of our players, uh, Miranda, uh, she could not go to Baldur's gate and it was in her backstory when, you know, she leaked a little bit here and there as to why, um, but we never really, she, it never really came out exactly why. And I think having made her, like you said, play through that incident, it's like, okay, this is going to happen. Let's play through it and actually give you that, that visceral feeling of, yes, this really happened. And this is why I can never go back to D, uh, to Baldur's gate and doing that in a one-on-one -on -one session. So where no one else in the group can hear it. And so it still remains a secret for that player. I think that'd be really cool. I think about your, uh, uh, Beckett's diary as well uh, as a giant one-off one-on-one yeah. session type situation. You know, he's an investigator, he's doing this stuff every now and then the DM shows up and has to save him uh, whether it's, you know, Lucinda or whoever. And, but for the most part, it's, you know, Indiana Jones out there who incidentally meets, you know, a PC every now and then, but for the most part, they're in the tomb themselves. Right. I think that's really cool. So uh, again, it's called, um, well, I just lost it. Does Love Forgive? It is available on the Chaosium website. Again, I have a link in the show notes. Uh, I think it could be fascinating, especially if you're a fan of, of Call of Cthulhu. Speaking of Call of Cthulhu, I did end up purchasing that S. Peterson's Field Guide to uh, Lovecraftian Horrors, I think it's called. Yeah. And that is a cool book. Nice. That's awesome. I was flipping through it. You know, I have, of course, I haven't had a whole lot of time to just sit down and read it, but I was flipping through it and looking at the artwork of some of the monsters and wow, it is some scary stuff. So neat book. Anyway, uh, that does kind of bring us to a topic of the night because I didn't see a whole lot at Modifius and um, those are the ones that we've been checking out lately. So we are here at our topic of the day. I don't know why I always say at night because we're recording this in the morning. So let's go grab a cup of coffee and come back and talk about how you can play Icewind Dale Adventures. Okay, so our topic of the day, of course, is the Icewind Dale Adventures. Now, the reason we're talking about this is Nolan and I got to talking about it, and we, we realized that sometimes, 
as him and I both have done, you just don't want to buy the book, but you still like the world enough, the setting enough that you want to play in it. And I don't know that a lot of people know that there's still opportunities for you to do that. Now, keep in mind, I think in this case, especially with Icewind Dale or Rhyme of the Frostman, I should say, I think Nolan and I would both encourage you to pick up this book, but I think that's more of a personal thing because we both loved the Dritz stories. And of course that takes place in Icewind Dale. Am I correct here, Nolan? Yeah. And again, I, uh, it's been a while since we've played it's on point thematic with an area we want to go to. Um, and we also like vampire and monster games. And so it being advertised kind of as a horror story sounds fun and frightening. So, and, and I definitely, I've, I have found that I am enjoying, um, horror role-playing a lot more than I thought I would. So this is really a good jump into both the horror role-playing and D&D, or I shouldn't say jump into, jump back to, because we haven't played D&D for a little bit. Um, so yeah, I think Nolan and I would both encourage you to pick up the book, but again, sometimes it just isn't feasible or you just don't want to, So, but you still want to experience it. So let's talk about different ways that you can do this. Nolan, tell us about D&D Beyond and what you can get there. Well, uh, luckily enough, as this stuff kind of comes in, uh, James Heck has been or had put out kind of an encounter of the week to kind of get people familiar with the area. Um, little stories looks like it ended up being eight nine parts of a little encounter of the week type situation but again just kind of a little backstory of why you're there what you're dealing with uh giving you a chance to play in the area and also kind of like we talked about you know session 0.5 session one two three while you're still figuring out your character you know those are always kind of the awkward times of like wow okay i thought this was how i was going to play and my character showed himself to me while i was playing and that probably means something different for John's characters. But uh, but then you kind of realize, you know, this gives you a chance to kind of figure out, be like, you know what, I was going this way with it, and that's not who he is. This is how he's going to be. And so those first three to four, uh, I feel like sessions are kind of, okay, this is, this is who I am. So these give you those opportunities. And so this one here was kind of in that there. I know they're pretty good about putting out an encounter of a week uh, as far as just some sort of thematic fight, combat, mission um, i can't imagine it take you longer than an hour depending on the size of your table but again that's kind of in that same adventure league style play of you know here's an hour two hour pop so i did reach out to james heck on twitter uh unfortunately he didn't have an option to message him i'd imagine that's an option you can turn off i wanted to just get a couple of comments from him about these adventures but he unfortunately did not respond to me which who knows? Maybe he still will. And if he does, I will let you guys know what he says. Uh, we did uh, now. We did try one of the adventures that he put out for Wild Mount. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. Which was really well written, and I think we had a lot of fun playing it. Yeah, and it worked as a little one shot. What? What took us one time? Two times? Two? Uh, two sessions? I guess. Yeah, I would say one point five sessions because right. I think that second session we were done pretty fast. So I was looking over, and of course you have to be on D and D Beyond to find this stuff. You cannot uh, get it elsewhere. And it looks like as of August 31st, yeah, I don't see an encounter of the week after August 31st. Uh, but there are several, and it looks like maybe he puts those out uh, almost every two weeks. Gotcha. 
So it could be that we're going to get one soon. Um, and who knows, with the D&D celebration, it might not be coming out. He may be working on that. Uh, so uh, just to give you guys an idea, uh, so I'm looking at in the Encounter of the Week, Vanifer's Repentance. Um, and this is kind of something they have in all of them, but I'll just read this real quick. It says, are you prepared to journey to Icewind Dale, the frozen north of Faerun? Times are strange and countless rumors swirl around this cold and isolated land, like so many snowflakes in an endless blizzard. The next D&D adventure announced at D&D Live 2020 is a dark fantasy horror titled Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. This encounter is the final part of an encounter series called Icewind Mail Special Delivery a non-canon dark comedy that leads into the official adventure. Well, sort of. It's more like it tosses player in the general direction of the official adventure with some silly props and tells them to go have fun. And then, so it shows you that there are eight other previous encounters, uh, loading up the icebreaker, uh, frost and fear and fish fire shear ambush at Earlsbarg, evil on the ACC shelter from the storm, trek to 10 towns, chaos in Kelvin's cairn and Jarlaxle's reversal. So there's a lot of stuff that you can play here. And the cool thing is, is these are all free. And correct me if I'm wrong, Nolan, uh, I don't even think you have to be um, signed up with D&D Beyond to, to get these. I don't think so. Um, it does have a lot of links embedded uh, into it for hover over references for monsters, weapons, and that kind of stuff that helps if you are. But yeah, I believe it's just a, an article of the week. Even if you're not a member of D&D Beyond, if you don't pay for that service, um, which I think you can get some of it for free just by signing up. Uh, of course, you can buy digital books, which the cool thing about the digital books, like Nolan said, it's got that ho hover over stuff. Like when you are playing this adventure, if you own the monster manual and you hover over it, it's going to show you from the monster manual that creature or the DM's guide or so on and so forth. So it does have some cool links like that. But you can always go grab your books if you have them and play that way. So some neat, I think they're pretty neat. And again, we've played through this through one of the ones for Wildmount and, and just had a really good time. So that's one option for you. And this is, you know, for the most part, a free option. If you already own some of the books and just want to give Icewind Dale a try, here's nine, possibly 10 adventures for you to check out, which that'll keep you busy for a few weeks, right? Yep. So then the other option, of course, is Adventure League. And this is another thing that you and I are familiar with. And it's actually, you know, we kind of, what was, uh, we talked about buying the Adventure League stuff for Icewind Dale and playing it alongside the book, right? Mm -hmm. And our thought process there was, is if we did that, it could lend to a more rich and full story instead of just playing it straight from the book. Because sometimes the Adventure League story or the Adventure League stuff can grab like a side quest that you went and checked out. And then like say in the book, it's just this kind of small thing, whereas now you have a whole adventure based around it. Um, now, keep in mind when it comes to Adventure League. This is typically stuff that you're going to go down to, or I think I shouldn't say typically. This is originally written for you to go down to your local game store and sit down and play. And you do get awards, Adventure League awards, for being a, a registered a WPN player. And you get awards points towards your character for playing in these things. Um, so you do have an Adventure League sanctioned character. Now, you don't have to play that way. And this is how we've always done it, because the Adventure League stuff is just available for purchase. We have found it for purchase on DriveThruRPG, the DMs Guild, uh, uh, Roll20. In fact, we played through three of the Baldur's Gate uh, Adventure League stuff. Nolan, what did you think of those adventures? They were pretty good. I mean, again, it gives you a, a reason to be kind of around the area um, and be a part of it. 
uh, without, like you said, buying the big book. Um, we used uh, Tomb of Annihilation. Uh, we did it as well, where we got to discover Port Nianzaro a lot more so, I think, than we probably would have with the uh, with the just straightforward book. And it ended up creating a couple of NPCs that were not really uh, big big characters within the book that actually became uh, friends and quasi love interest for John. I guess. Remember John always falls in love with something somewhere. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, it created some depth and some um, fleshing out of the world for us instead of like, Hey, you know, it's tomb of annihilation. You need to get to that tomb quickly uh, because if you don't, well, everybody's going to die. I really enjoy Adventure League stuff. Now, the trick about Adventure League stuff is it does come with a cost. Uh, it's I think it's $5.499, I believe, to purchase the adventure. So you can do it that way. Or again, you can go down and play uh, at your local game store because the odds are they've already got it and they're just uh, down there set up for you to play. So things to keep in mind. Uh, other things that you can do is... I thought this was interesting that on the D&D Beyond uh, website, sorry, James Heck posted an article called Homebrew Horrors, Monsters of War. And he says, want new mores come, or want new monsters? Come and get them right across the frozen fields of Dale upon a mammoth of war. Face war parties of Dragonback and create your own war monsters using a brand new monster template. So they're encouraging you to come up with some new homebrew stuff for you to use in your games and in this case there's homebrew stuff that's thematic to icewind dale so another if you're the kind of person who just buys the book just to get the layout of the land and wants to create your own icewind dale here's some help for you to create your war or your uh the monsters i like it me too uh, I think D and D Beyond is probably a tool that you know you and I have gushed about before, but it's probably not one that gets a lot of exploration because usually, like you and I, go there to log in to create characters or create encounters. So I, I I know there's a lot of tool sets that you can get through D and D Beyond, and now and and if you don't want to pay for D and D Beyond, if you don't want to have that subscription service, uh, I think you and I both pay for it because we both DM sometimes and it helps. Uh, well, you have to pay for it if you want to DM because it gives you access to everybody's characters and allows you to uh, see basic rules. I think for us, this has been one of the best ways for people to create characters and have stuff on their characters without forgetting. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. It's, it's easy to skip stuff or miss a step or something like that. And this makes it, Pretty easy to make sure you get all the boxes checked um, and then having everything there at your fingertips as well through the DM being able to share or whoever hosting it being able to share stuff. So that way, if you just have a PHB, but everybody else has Xanathars or Tasha's, you don't know what you're missing out on or they have these cool new spells that you can't find. It gets a little confusing. So it gives everybody access to the same content. And of course, there is dice set now with D&D, D&D Beyond, sorry. So where if you are in your character sheet and like you need to roll initiative, you can just click on the initiative box and a D20 goes flying across the screen and it'll tell you what your initiative roll is. And you don't have to do anything. You can just let it roll, look at the number and say, okay, I rolled a four. Clearly I'm going last. And as I think as time goes on, they've added enough stuff to make this or make me feel better about being involved in it. I do they like just kind of, they didn't just stop and be like, here you go. This is what we got. No, they're, 
they're adding new stuff all the time and it's becoming a better system. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that it'll eventually get to a point where the DM can share stuff. So that way, when I click and roll this, you'll see it, everybody will see it. And maybe it'll be like a better version of, or an updated version of roll 20. And roll 20 is a great system. Uh, I just, it's not super user-friendly. There's a lot of stuff that you have to really spend some time trying to figure out. I do like the, the dice rolling in, um, uh, D&D Beyond, I do wish that it was something that they would actually make it so where the DMs could see your rolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think once they add that, then it'll make things a lot easier. And like if you're rolling an advantage, uh, you hover over what you're supposed to be rolling and you can choose to roll an advantage. So it, and it'll throw a 2d20. Um, and again, if you're rolling a disadvantage, same thing. And they do the checks for you. Like, again, you don't have to do any about the math. So if you are somebody who has a complicated, like, I know you've rolled some stuff before and it's like, hold on, I have to do this and this and this and this and this. Okay, I have this score. Um, the cool thing is, is that this already factors, factors it all in and it'll take care of that for you. Right. So some options for you to check out Rhyme of the Frostmaiden if you're not going to purchase the book. Uh, D&D Beyond, the weekly adventure written by James Heck are fantastic. And of course, the Adventure League stuff. And the Adventure League stuff could be free if you just decided to go down and play at your local game store. A couple things to keep in mind. Um, co- obviously, COVID is making it so there's not, uh, a lot of, there is not a lot of in-store stuff. I know on the Magic side of things, Wizards has announced that they are suspending all in-store play at least until January 1st, where they will reevaluate. Doesn't really affect us here in Sheridan because we are no longer a WPN store. But if at some point Puzzles or even the Sports Alley decided they wanted to tackle that monster and get that done, you know, right now that's not going to give us a lot of options. Uh, there may be a charge to play at a local game store. I don't know. I've never ex- um, explored that option because we've always had a group here. But it is something that you should keep in mind. Uh, you do have an official character. You do get official gear that you can use. But there are uh, stranger. What are some of the rules? Like, the, what's the plus one rule, Nolan? Well, you can use a PHB plus one additional book to create your character, right? For anything. So, say you want to be a blade singer, well, you're using the Forgotten Realms one, but now you can't get Booming Blade or Shadow Blade because it came out in Xanathar. So you're limited to the what book you chose. Gotcha. So yeah, there you go. Some options for you to explore to play Icewind Dale. I'm, you know, I, I go back to this, and and I think you'll probably echo me here, but I am very. This is probably the most excited I've been for a D and D adventure in a long time. I love Icewind Dale, and again, this goes right back to my roots in Forgotten Realms with uh, the uh, Crystal Shard trilogy and the you know Dred Stewart and stories. Yeah, and I think you know as we're, we've talked about this stuff too, you know we've we've done pretty well with trying to branch out on some of this stuff. It is a lot easier because of D and D beyond to play some of this stuff. Um, and that does limit us a little bit. You know, I, we've enjoyed scarred lands and we got a lot of that stuff through drive through RPG. Um, but it was also, I don't know, you get used to using some of this digital technology and it's really hard to go back. So we know there's other ones there. These just kind of happen to plug and play pretty easily with, uh, Wizards of the coast, stuff um but i do know that there's a lot of cool stuff out there that people create on drive through rpg but again when you start getting in the realm of homebrew and stuff like that you're showing up with stuff that people haven't seen before they're going to question some of it too so yeah 
Uh, the cool thing about the Adventure League stuff is it is 100% available through, like, again, Drive Through RPG, uh, as well as Roll20, and I think even on Astral. So uh, we used it through Roll20, and our experience there was I really enjoyed it because as the DM, I was able to put up maps, screen share stuff with, or not screen share, but share images with, with the players so they could see things. Um, and it, it helped me as the dm to show the players okay you're here you're here you're here uh i was able to use little tokens that they give you for the when you buy the adventure league set of the monsters that you're going to need i could just drop them in and drop you know drag and drop them where i wanted them or on certain maps they were already in position and if you can figure out the dynamic lighting god bless you because i couldn't uh then you've got a way for the characters to move through the map and just expose how far they can see and they won't be able to see the tokens that you drop for the bad guys until their lighting sets it such that they can. What did you think of the adventure league stuff in rule 20 Nolan? I liked it. I like having, I like having battle maps. Um, and I, I do find that's probably the case with adventure league stuff as well is it usually leads itself to a combat or two is almost guaranteed because of the way they're designed as kind of these little one play session uh, complete an adventure or get far enough type story where you can wrap up in two. Um, so I think that's probably the the biggest thing that I take away from them is they are a little more combat heavy. Um, so if you're into that, it's great, um, which a lot of our people don't have an issue with it. But I've, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was handy. It's nice to be able to roll the dice uh, there and have everybody see it as well, especially when we were playing online. Uh, so it was it was good and it was well transferred over uh, the maps were handy the bonus tokens tiles were handy to see the monsters i like that ability to it's one thing to create a scene in your mind and it means something different for everybody else but a giant hole in the ground where everything got sucked into a furnace um and having a picture of that empty void is completely different for somebody just to be able to post up this is what you see okay any other options nolan that you can think of for people to experience icewind dale without actually buying the book that's what i got that's what I've got too. So I think there are some. I was gonna say I think they did a playtest thing of the Crystal Shard when Fifth Edition came out originally, and I think that's on. Uh, I think it's called Next Fifth Edition Next instead of just Five E. So the rules and the scaling is a little bit different, but it was a playtest, and it was one of the first things that came out was kind of a, a remake of the Crystal Shard, and I know they did that for Third Edition. Um, and maybe fourth edition as well. So it was a fairly popular book. But as far as a conversion and that kind of stuff, I don't I don't know how well it would smoothly transition. But if you had to get into the world and play kind of that story, um, I know that thing is floating out there as well. I think that is going to be it for this week. Yeah, next week we're making characters. So next week we're making characters, and we're probably going to talk a little bit about Rhyme and the Frost Maiden. We won't go into a whole lot of detail about that book because we will be playing through it. So I don't want um, anything to be spoiled for the the people who are either involved in this podcast, i.e., Nolan, or those who listen, i.e., Dom. Um, so we won't be going into a whole lot of detail about that book, but it is something we'll be talking about more as we progress through the story. Well, Nolan, I think we've reached that time of the show where if people want to get a hold of you, how can they do it? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Inlemeers. And of course, I'm Patrick, and you can find me at all social media at 307RPG. Um, you may, If you follow us on Instagram, you may have noticed that my Instagram has been completely taken over by disc golf stuff because that's what we've been doing a lot of lately. Yeah, been nice to get outside while we still can before we're shoveling snow all winter. 
Yeah, exactly. So, all right, guys. Well, that is the show for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you next time. Bye. <laughs>